0: You're listening to News Radio KMAN. Now back to the game. With
1: Mitch Fortner, David G, and Troy Toverdale. Boys and girls, it's the game on KMAN. and the game after work. Mitch Fortner, Troy Coverdale, and Travion Berkland. He says he didn't come from a rich family, but his name says he did. I don't know. <laughs> oh, First hour, we talked a lot about K-State KU because it's been 5,000 days since K-State has lost to KU in the game of football. Right now, we are pleased to be joined as we switch over to to, to talk in name, image, and likeness with former cat himself, Ryan Hennington, who played uh, defensive back for the Cats this past season. But now he's taken on a new endeavor. Ryan, thank you so much for joining for the show. First of all, you were with the Cats for five years. Do you have any memories that stick out about the uh, rivalry with Ku? How did we lose him? Hello, is Mitch, uh, yeah. Hey, is this is this Ryan? Yes. Who oh, am I speaking with? Yeah, this is Mitch. Hey, bud. Hey, sorry about that. Looked like we lost you there for a second. All right. So I, I I'm going to go back to my first question. Is we're we're on the air right now, by the way. Um, awesome. So we, we were talking uh, K State KU, and it's been 5,000 days since K State's lost to KU in football. So do you have any memories that stick out during your playing time against KU?
2: How about all of them? No, I don't know. Um, Good <laughs> job, Well, funny story on me personally for KU. I played, uh, for those who don't know, I played at K-State, got recruited by Snyder in 2017 and finished up my career here in January at the Texas Bowl, but actually was going to attend KU unfortunately, and they pulled my offer about a month before signing day. And I remember how the exchange went. The coach called my high school football coach and that's how they told me. So um. And from that day on, I had a burning desire to beat KU. So anytime we stepped, stepped foot on that field in between the white lines, it was it was a party out there. Um, you know, I can remember Philip Brooks' historic first half what was that 2020 season um, with the punt returns. But yeah. every, every memory was great.
1: Makes me wonder. I'm trying to think back of that time because your high school, your senior year was 2016, right? Or the season. Yes, sir. Hmm. I'm trying to think of maybe who maybe KU got another quarterback before that or something. I don't. I'm not sure. Maybe another commit. But anyway. But did you grow up a KU fan?
2: No, not at all. Um, I didn't. It, it was just kind of one of those. I had one of those weird recruiting stories where KU showed interest late into uh, my senior season and kind of came through and acted super. Um, I don't know. They, they tell you everything you want to hear, and they they sold a, an 18 year old kid, but. I was a K State fan through and through, but I was eager to go somewhere and find a home. So it, I think it was um, it was a uh, Beatty or Beatty with the staff back then. So
1: okay, well, we're talking with former K State football player Ryan Ryan Hittington here on the game, who's now with Wildcat NIL. First of all, just uh, tell us what exactly is Wildcat NIL?
2: Yeah, NIL name, image, and likeness it's a pretty hot topic uh, for good and for bad. I think. You know, how this originated is back in December, I met with Coach Kleiman and I said, Coach, you know, I think my career is coming to an end here. And uh, we agreed on that. Um, I wasn't going to exercise my sixth year. And I just said, hey, I think we can really, really leverage name, image, and likeness to help support Kansas State. And he said, what are your ideas? And we put pen to paper and I kind of, you know, with the help of other players, we formed a group. And really our goal is to just help the student athletes at Kansas State. And that is help them navigate name, image, and likeness so they can focus on school and they can focus on their respective sport but still feel the love and appreciation of the K-State family. And we make sure that the athletes are staying compliant. We make sure that they're doing things the right way and they're understanding the, the value of their brand and, and image at Kansas State.
1: I was looking at your website earlier today, which is catsnil.com, which is where you can go to donate right now. But you have an opportunity for businesses. What, what is that opportunity?
2: Yeah, I mean, one of the, the staples of NIL is just businesses interacting and um, seeking more marketing opportunities. And the reason it's so important for businesses is the uh, the numbers speak for themselves. When you have a student athlete or an NFL athlete, just think of Patrick Mahomes, for example, um, their names are congruent with famous brands because influencer marketing is such a hot topic. So when you're able to use a student athlete that has a big brand, you say, say, a Deuce Vaughn or Adrian Martinez to... Represent a company and put their name out there, whether it's a car or a restaurant. I think it holds a lot of weight, and companies are eager to jump on board and a help support their almond water, and and b you know leverage the the exposure that these student athletes can provide.
1: Now, who else are you working on with this, or working with on this?
2: Yeah, the the original group kind of started uh, myself, Jeff Yuritz, who was a quarterback here at K State. Finished in 2017 in the Cactus Bowl. Ross Elder, who was one of my best friends, or one of my best friends, roommate of mine, um, and Bradley Fulmer, who played here at Kansas State uh, back in the day, and we just kind of banded together. And from and we're we continuing to add people. I mean, it's not an exclusive group. We're just K Staters uh, helping K Staters. Since then, we've you know we've had people contribute. Uh, Pearson McAfee, he's been a staple. Coleman Younger and just other people who want to give back and have a footprint and helping
1: out. You mentioned Pearson McAtee, a Manhattan high graduate who of course walked on and uh, played some hoops there for K-State basketball. Um, Now with NIL and what you guys do, I mean, of course you're not just talking about particular student athletes. You're talking about, you're talking about all student athletes with K-State, correct?
2: Yeah, exactly. And, you know, here's the thing. When NIL first happened, first became, you know, um, permissible a year ago, I didn't make a dollar off of it, and neither did my roommates, except Skyler Thompson, who was my only roommate that did, did well, obviously, because of his name. So I was the former walk-on, and one of the first things we wanted to do was help other walk-ons. And, you know, um, we're not subject to title nine, We're not affiliated with the NCAA, but we act as if we are. So we help every sport, and we, we – so it doesn't matter if you're a walk-on or a scholarship athlete. If you wear a purple, you know, we, we want to try to create opportunities to help you out. So um, all-inclusive in that matter.
1: Now, you mentioned goals just moments ago. Does your NIL collective have, when it comes to a dollar amount, a, a goal in mind per year?
2: Yeah, we, we don't specifically. Um, and, you know the 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 goal isn't to turn it too much into a business operation where you know we're focused on the top dollar, but more so giving back and making sure that we're pairing athletes with the right fits, the right opportunities um making sure we're in line with fair market value and some other things like that because you know what we're not doing is um, you know paying an athlete an astronomical value for services that they're not exchanging we're we're making sure that you know um the local partners and businesses are getting proper exposure and we're making sure that we're trying to we're crossing our T's and dotting our I's and make sure we're doing it the right way. So as far as chasing the top dollar numbers, uh, it's not so much something that we that That is the mission and vision of, of this operation.
1: We're talking with former cat Ryan Hiddington here on the game. So, do you, when you think of NIL, do you think, like, man, if I was five years younger, <laughs> I could have really capitalized on this and this money could really help make my life a lot easier as a student athlete?
2: <laughs> no doubt. I mean, um, finances were tough, I'm not going to lie, especially as a walk on. You know, I'm very thankful for everything that happened. I eventually earned a scholarship, but. I'm excited for the, the younger student athletes. This is a cool opportunity, and it's especially unique for supporters, donors, businesses to interact with players in a whole other way. I mean, people have been giving to Kansas State Athletics, and now they have the opportunity to have more of a decision in where that money goes, and they have an ability to interact with student athletes in a whole new way, and that's something that people really appreciate. So for the for the younger student athletes, super exciting stuff.
1: i got to ask you about... Rooming with Skylar Thompson, he's actually he he has shared that before his his roommates, but we've never asked on the other side of things like what is it like? What was it like living with Skylar Thompson? Was he the roommate that was clean or dirty? Did he stay up late <laughs> watching film or was he up and being loud playing video games, playing Call of Duty or something?
2: No, Skylar was a, uh, a bookworm when it came to football. Um, he was he was a workhorse. He was, I mean. First one to leave the house and and last one to get home and I'm, I promise you he spent a lot more time with you know Coach Klein and his receivers than he did with our, us roommates but we we still had a good time with him great guy um, and he, he's doing real well in Miami for all the K staters listening I uh, spoke with him a few days ago and uh, he's gonna he's gonna turn some heads down there so
1: did you play I I, I know you went through some interesting transitions through your time at K-State with playing certain positions. Did you play four in total?
2: Yeah, I played four. Yeah, I did. Um, you know, and <laughs> for better, for better, for worse, I did. And I I uh, attribute that to uh, flexibility, right? I don't know if I was good at any of them, but I, I did my best to help out the team, whether it's on special teams, offense, defense, linebacker, DB. So I uh, – got to see a lot
1: yeah because that's interesting I mean no, nobody comes in and, and plays a total of four positions at the you know power five college football level I'd imagine it was based on situation but in high school you're a quarterback was another position did it come natural to you like when you played some defensive back or where we saw you last at linebacker
2: yeah I think uh I think the ability to see the game differently in that aspect was a uh, was an asset um but you know, when you start from scratch, it is difficult because you're competing against people who have done it their whole life. So I had to learn a bunch from, a bunch from scratch. But, um, yeah, hopefully that's a good answer.
1: <laughs> what was your uh, – because you were here for the transition to the Coach Climate era. Do you have a favorite uniform combo? Like, did you like the all-white with the script cats?
2: Mm, I, honestly, I don't know how you guys to pull the stats on this way better than I could never a fan of the all-white because one reason one reason only we weren't that successful enough um i don't mean to get superstitious um you know i i wasn't one super flashy one of those guys that didn't wear gloves and everybody would give me a hard time about it and i said hey if i can get the job done i'm not too worried about what my hands look like so uh, not the best person to ask on uniform preferences.
1: <laughs> yeah, it didn't go well there. It didn't go well there for a while. I know the the script cats like that logo. It didn't win for a while, and also lost the uh, Liberty Bowl in uh, in Memphis with those all lights. But I gotta I gotta admit, like they're pretty slick. Now, would you be? I I know there's some there at K State. They're a little high up. That are against the black unis. Um, I would think K State in black uniforms would look slick. Did you guys ever talk about that?
2: You know, here is what I would say about black uniforms. I think they would look incredible. Will they ever happen? Would they ever happen? Um, I don't know. I, I can't say yes or no. Um, I, I would. I would lean towards. That would be tough. But I do think black. You could even throw some silver in there. You could get really interesting with our colorways and have some really cool combos.
1: We're talking with former Cat Ryan Hennington as we talk Wildcat NIL. Got a couple more questions for you. I want to go back to your high school days because you played at Junction City for Randall Zimmerman. I am. I, I haven't been in. You know, I'm, I'm from Clay Center. My knowledge of the battle for the silver trophy only comes down to the last few years. Now that I'm calling Manhattan High football. But playing against Manhattan High, I'm sure some around here would be really interested to hear from you, your favorite memories from that rivalry.
2: Oh boy, there's a lot. Um, Unfortunately, senior season didn't go my way or Junction City's way, but um, that that rivalry, it runs deep. I remember my first day on K-State campus, I showed up to a 7-on-7 practice in the summer, and I ran into Winston-Dimble and... (laughs) You know, very lightheartedly, he was joking about uh, Junction City, Manhattan. So um, I think the the people from around this area take pride in that, and so do Junction City folks. And, um, you know, one specific memory, um, obviously the wins stick out a lot more than the losses, but super, super competitive thing and super awesome for the community.
1: Man, I'm telling you guys, if you've never been to a K-State – or I'm sorry, a Manhattan-Junction City game, man, those environments – can be really fun. Basketball, too. Basketball, those are some really fun games when it comes to the environment. Ryan, uh, your thoughts on the Cats this season. What do you think about uh, Chris Kleiman's club in, in
2: 2022? I mean, I think he's done an incredible job. I'm just looking at the uh, new recruits coming in, the new uh, the new commitment. So you start there. They're, they're winning real well. I thought they did good in the transfer portal this offseason. I'm super excited about Adrian. I think he's going to be a good fit. Um, he unlocks a whole other level of athleticism at the quarterback position. So as a defensive guy, when you have to play the zone read with Deuce and Adrian, I mean, good luck Uh, defensive coordinators in the big 12 are going to be staying up all night over that. Um, In addition to that, I think there's, there's a lot of depth. There's going to be good competition. I mean, specifically at the quarterback position, Uh, Malik Knowles, I think he's going to have a breakout season complimented by Philip Brooks. The O line looking really strong. Uh, Daniel Green, Watch him turn so many heads this year, a linebacker. He is going to have a breakout season in the Big 12, if not nationally. Um, but I think if they can come together and just continue to build build the uh, family-like mentality that it takes, it's going to be a really exciting season for all of K-State.
1: I'm sure you, I mean, you echo my thoughts, and I'm sure you echo a lot of K-State fans' thoughts as well about the 2022 team. All right, Ryan, as we wrap up here, just remind us again, where do we go to help out K-State student-athletes with Wildcat NIL?
2: Yeah, there are lots of different places to go to. Uh, my specific group is uh, Wildcat NIL, and you can visit us at com. And the biggest thing is just getting people to understand what NIL is and how they can benefit from it. It's not a one-sided thing. It's a really fun opportunity for everybody involved and an awesome way to interact with players and support Kansas State student-athletes.
1: Well, Ryan, hey, greatly appreciate your time. I think you're doing a great thing when it comes to Wildcat NIL. I really enjoyed this interview, and uh, best in luck uh, with this Wildcat Collective.
2: Hey, thanks. Thanks so much. Take care.
1: You too. That is uh, Ryan Hennington, former Wildcat football player, talking about Wildcat NIL here on the game. All right, when we come back, uh, the latest on conference realignment. Uh, Looks like an athletic director from the SEC – gave us an insight about the latest expansion race when it comes to the SEC. That's coming up next year on The Game. Well, maybe after a lull of what we feel is credible news when it comes to Conference realignment, maybe we got a little bit of that today. It's been reported by 24-7 Sports, also a credible source in SEC country Saturday down south. As a matter of fact, is where I first saw it reported by Matt Hayes. And when it comes to conference realignment, it has been reported that the SEC feels comfortable about staying at 16 teams. As a matter of fact, the quote that they shared from an SEC athletic director says, quote, We are positioned at 16 teams for the robust future. And another quote that says, I don't see any expansion move as threatening to us. So basically what that says is they feel that if the Big Ten was still willing to go with Notre Dame or if Notre Dame says, nah, we're good, and decide to go the route of Oregon and Washington being added as well, they don't see that as a giant threat either, as in stealing money out of their pockets,
0: I guess. They've got their deal in place. They've got what they want. They've got the teams they want. And away we go.
1: I mean, yes, you could stand at 16 for now. And they still had the regionality. Yes. I I think I mentioned to you that off-air, which is, it feels like the SEC is the only one, like, yes, they're in pretty strong control about Mm -hmm. their power that they have in college athletics. I mean, they are the power – Number 1 when it comes to what you see on the field in the SEC. They might, may not be number 1 here in the next month or two when it comes to their right, TV rights deal because the Big Ten is most likely going about to get a bigger deal than the SEC, which is what they signed just not too long ago with ESPN, with Disney.
0: Valid. The one aspect of that would be because you have the difference in TV markets. New York, L.A., yeah, the Big Ten would would take the the three big ones, or essentially the three big ones, New York, L.A., Chicago, and the SEC doesn't have that to match, but it still has been the brand in college athletics now for the last 15 years.
1: Yeah, they are the Southeastern Conference. Their teams are most likely what I call the slave states, with the exception of now Oklahoma. With Missouri being added, yes, they were a slave state and that's who's been the conference. Mm-hmm. The South has been their conference. And you know, I guess kudos to them for sticking with that and I know there is there have been reported discussions of the SEC maybe having a few conversations with teams like Florida State, North Carolina. Those are two that two big programs that have been brought up in the past that could be added to the SEC, but it sounds like from the latest report is that they don't feel it's necessary to add any more teams are going to stick with adding Oklahoma and Texas for the foreseeable future, and we'll see where that goes. Now, if you ask me, what does that happen to make out of the rest of college football in the landscape? You know, it could really go a couple of ways. Could we see the domino effect if now the Big Ten's like, well, if the SEC's not going to do anything, you know, I, we're, we're going to make a pretty good deal, splitting it among 16 in a couple of years. We're all going to make a pretty good chunk of change. We could just keep it here. And then the Pac-12 and ACC are like, well, if they're going to stay put, us here at the Pac-12, we could still get out there and add a couple of teams, right? We could add Boise, uh, who else? Maybe Colorado State, San, San Diego, Diego State. State. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe they'll feel good about that. Although I will say, I don't think there's much they could do that could rival the expansion that the Big Twelve made with the four teams they made.
0: Boy, how does um, how does that BYU edition look right yeah, now? Yeah, that, that, it's.
1: I don't want. I'm not going to say it. I, I'm I, not I understand.
0: Say it. I understand your point. I understand your frustration there. Well, but in terms of Utah as well, but in terms of a management addition for the conference, and right now in the grand scheme of things. The Big Twelve got ahead, got a jump on the Pac-12 in that aspect.
1: Yeah, I mean the Big Twelve sold out; they they sold out for BYU. They did.
0: <laughs> you could have said that years ago about Texas.
1: Well, I mean, wasn't it Texas and Oklahoma and Oklahoma State and um, and Tech that almost jumped to the yeah, Pac-12? It was. I mean, it
0: was. Got, and 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 of course, then you got into the politics of it, where the Texas folks were trying to get Baylor through again.
1: But we think. ESPN and Fox for saving the day there with that last media rights agreement that kept the the Big Twelve at you know, what we see it as today. Yes, we can thank them for that, but now things have of course changed with Oklahoma and Texas leaving. But I, I continue on with like that discussion about the domino effect. If everybody thinks they're okay, I mean that could possibly happen. But I mean for the, I guess I just with the markets in the ACC and the Pac-12. What they do have currently, right now, like it, it might make more sense for them to still stay together. Mm -hmm. I mean, I really have to think about that if they could stay together. But you know, the Pac-12 that means if they don't break apart, they still have the Phoenix area. They'll still have some of Salt Lake City, Seattle, Seattle, Portland. They would they they keep all that with looking to expand a couple of teams, and I'm sure the ACC would still love to add Notre Dame as a full time. Oh, yeah. Full-time school, which Notre Dame, I mean, shame on ACC having not, not having a better deal with Notre Dame except for that one year. But I understand why they had it is because, well, Notre Dame needed a place to play during the COVID year. Right. So those are a couple of ways it could go. But, I mean, it's still to be determined because conference realignment has been very quiet. I know there's been a lot of reports out there about what's happening here with you know, a lot of local people reporting on their own conferences and what's been happening. I don't know. I, 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 We're still waiting, I think, on Notre Dame. That's at least the idea I get from reading from reliable sources and what the power Notre Dame has. I mean, they have, a t- of course, a ton of appeal for TV markets.
0: And from there, let's see here. How long does their contract go? But With NBC? With NBC. But along those same lines if you know everybody is waiting on Notre Dame Notre Dame being what it is is going to continue to just sit in that spot and be perfectly content they're fine with what they've got but i do also wonder they and then also what plays out with the college football playoff when it gets readdressed coming up again in the off season because the contract on that is going to be set to expire coming up.
1: But I will say, if I'm Brett Yormark, I'm still being aggressive. I don't care if the SEC has decided to pump the brakes and stay put with its 16. The Big Ten still might be looking to make a deal. I don't know. But if I'm the Big 12, I'm still looking at Oregon and Washington, at the very least. Or if they want to expand with the other four, I'm still looking to make a play. Find a way to make the Big 12 more competitive in the TV deal. Go get more money. And Brett Yormark has clearly showed with what we've seen with reports, and we're going to hear it in two days at Big 12 Media Days, that he is fully invested in making the Big 12 better. And this is a guy who in his career has shown that he has been able to make great negotiations work out, make businesses more profitable. Mm Mm-hmm. With Rock Nation and NASCAR, make it more of a brand. I mean, that's a. I mean, if you ask me, that's a, a gigantic reason why he's been hired in the first place. Oh yeah, because major deals are going to be made here very shortly for the Big Twelve. That's why he's here to be aggressive and be a gigantic player to make sure you're at least at. I mean and there's no passing the Big 12 or the I'm sorry the the Big 10 in the SEC in my opinion but to be number 3 you feel, I mean that's a pretty good spot to be.
0: It's also going to be very interesting this week at media days to get his first comments. Oh yeah. Because we have not gotten anything out of him in regards to any of this publicly. I and might, this will be very very interesting.
1: I might uh, say hey guys look. <clears throat> K-Man Morning Show, we're ending 30 minutes early so we can hear from Brett Yormark. <laughs> You're not going to get a complaint out of me on that one. Uh, well, I know. Yeah, I, I know you will. Brandon, 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 well, Brandon would be just fine listening to it as well. Yeah,
0: I was going to say it's newsworthy. Oh, so, time. yeah, time. Uh, yeah, I think it would be worth it, honestly. Now, I don't know um, if it would be
1: legal to air it, but... No,
0: it's off the stream. You just tell... I mean, it's ESPN Plus and...
1: I, don't, I still don't know if that's allowed.
0: Okay. All right. Twenty twenty five. Paul, can you look
1: into that for us?
0: Notre Dame has their contract with NBC through the twenty twenty five season. Okay.
1: So, so in other words,
0: they're right; they're in the same range as everybody else. Exactly.
1: It's it's pretty good timing if you're the ACC and Big Ten to basically tug a war over over Notre Dame. But hey, if you're Notre Dame, I mean, getting buku bucks out of NBC if you decide to stick with them. I don't know, man. I just know Brett Yarmark is going to be aggressive. He's going to try what he can and see what he can do to make it happen. If it doesn't happen, I mean, that will most likely mean that's because the Pac-12 has just decided to stay what it is and maybe join up with the ACC. But, you know, how does how does certain schools feel about that? That could also be a difference. Some might be in, some might be not. And also, is the ACC looking at all of the Pac-12 or just maybe, you know, four – Or six schools in particular.
0: Here's another interesting little thing to think about and consider. I've not even seen it discussed anywhere. What would a Pac-12 ACC assemblage mean for the Rose Bowl?
1: You might be one of the few... And I think, and take no offense to this. Who actually probably, thought that? Yeah, well, you're, you're not the one who thinks that, but are you thinking of it as like in a positive thing, like you're worried about the Rose Bowl? No,
0: I'm just consi- I'm just curious to know,
1: because the Rose
0: Bowl folks have not said anything about all how all of this has played out, when one of their primary uh, concerns has always been, Big Ten, Pac-12, yeah. got to have that game, got to have that matchup got to have that time on New Year's Day. Got to have, got to have, got to have.
1: And the well, two hometowners just jumped to the other conference.
0: You got it, exactly. What's going to play out there? The the Rose Bowl is in a very a very intriguing spot where it has also been trying to hold on desperately to what it has for New Year's Day because it wants that sunset that third quarter sunset.
1: Is Oregon about to have a residency in, uh, at the Rose Bowl?
0: Yeah, quite possibly.
1: All right, what time is it? All right. Well, I'm sure this is just the beginning of uh, maybe a lot of news to roll out this week. We'll see as Big 12 Media Day is uh, going to kick off on Wednesday. Brett Yormark is scheduled to uh, speak at 8.30 that morning. The Cats also, their day is Wednesday as well. A timeout, number one song next
0: wash some whiskey and you wanna sugar in your tea What's all this crazy question they asking me? This is the craziest party that could ever be Don't turn on the lights cause I don't wanna see I'm not told
1: 1970. Mama told me not to come. By Three Dog Night. Two weeks. At number one, a rock band formed in 67. In a town we were just talking about a little bit, Los Angeles, California. So maybe the most interesting thing about the band is where does that name come from? Three Dog Night. Well, according to vocalist Danny Hutton's girlfriend, actress June Fairchild, she was in uh, Cheech and Chong, Up in Smoke, suggested the name after reading a magazine article about Aboriginal Australians in which. It was explained that on cold nights, they would customarily sleep in a hole in the ground. If it was slightly cold, which they would sleep with dingoes, I guess. Mm -hmm. If it was slightly cold, they'd sleep with one dog. If it was a colder night, two dogs. And if it was a freezing night, they called it a three-dog night. That is super random to know that. And also super random for a band name to just come up with that. Now... There's another musician by the name of Van Dyke Parks who says that's just kind of silly. That's kind of a silly name. I came up with the name. It was me. That's his story. I'm going to go with uh old Hutton's girlfriend here. It's just more interesting, I guess, but right. Now, Danny Hutton happens to still be the frontman. Now, and the group is still not the group that performed this song like recorded it 52 years ago, but they Somewhat of a formation of Three Dog Night still together with Danny Hutton, who's an original member. Twelve studio albums, twenty-one top forty hits, and their first of three number ones. It's from their fourth album. It ain't easy. It ain't easy, Troy, to be Three Dog Night. Because everybody asks them, "What does your name mean?" The right? Like, well, I met this girl one time. Her name's June. <laughs> And she had this weird obsession with Aboriginals from Australia. Now, this song is not an original by Three Dog Nine. Did nope. you know that, Troy? You you already know apparently. Uh
0: I did, actually, because immediately my brain went to I know that someone wrote this and I don't remember why it stuck out to me, but I've heard it trivial-wise before. Okay, yeah,
1: somebody famous did write it, and somebody not so famous did record it as the first version. It was first recorded by Eric Burden and the Animals. Okay, yep. It was written by Randy Newman. Bingo. Who
0: wrote, you got a friend in me. Randy Newman is such a stellar songwriter, honestly.
1: Now, what he says is this song is about a party that left a bad taste in his mouth. The drug scene was fairly new to American middle-class youth at the time in 1970. Actually, it was 67, so a little before that. And um, Newman explained in an interview with Rolling Stone magazine in 2017, quote, it's a guy going to a party, and he's a little scared the first time with the line, will you have whiskey in your water, or sugar in your tea, was a vague connection to acid. I don't remember being thrown off by that stuff then. If I was that unsophisticated, which is possible, I wouldn't admit it. Now here's another interesting fact about this song. And that is, it received the distinction. Of being the very first number one hit on Casey Kasim's American Top 40, <laughs> which you can hear on Sundays. Correct. On News Radio K we play 70s versions. On our sister station, Sunny 102.5, we'll play 80s episodes of Casey Kasim's American Top 40. And if
0: you're more up to the Today version, hosted by Ryan Seacrest, those air on Z.
1: I don't think I've ever heard that in my whole life. Now, to get that number one spot, what did Three Dog Nights, Mama Told Me Not to Come? Hold on. Travion's tell me we have a call, but, you know, I'd love a name and a, and a town if you catch my drift. <laughs> <laughs> to beat out... So this is what Mama Told Me Not to Come beat out... Beatles, The Long and Winding Road and Elvis' The Wonder of You to get that number one spot on the first Casey Kasem American Top 40. Now, you might hear some background singers. One of them, Donna Summer sings background okay, on yeah. this song. All right. This was before she was big. Now, a few years before she had her first uh gotcha before she had her first album out there she was not credited on the song either and by the way billboard ranked it number 11 on the songs out of 1970 all right let's go to the phone's 537-1350 john from manhattan what's up john
2: hey just want to let you know that chuck Negron, who was one of the singers for three dog night was singing by himself uh, in an arts in the park in manhattan Okay. About, oh, 20, 22 years ago, and this was the first song he opened up with. He really? also did "Eli's Coming" <laughs> and and some of the other Three Dog Night songs. It wasn't the band; it was just Chuck. Anyway, I thought you'd like to know. No, that's awesome.
1: Thank you for sharing that. I would have been, and thank you for the call, John. Uh, I, no I would have, I I, I would have been ten <laughs> at the time. I don't think I knew Three Dog Night. I probably heard some of their songs. You know, "Joy to the World," of course. I knew that when I was 10. I remember hearing it at a wedding one time. Um, but, you know, I, I have no idea. Shambhala, like, no idea about Three Dog Night Right. when I was that age. But that would have been cool. Like, if that would have been cool to uh, say I saw that show right here in Manhattan. How about that? Yeah, what, like I mentioned right there at the end, Billboard ranked this song number 11 in the songs of 1970. Good for Three Dog Night. Good for them to have so many hits. I didn't realize they had so many hits. Mm-hmm. 21. 21 songs would have made it on Casey Kasem's American Top 40. All right, uh, Travion, are you ready to go? Yes. All right, you're prepared? Yes. All right, here's the deal. How about you just get us out when we need to get out? Does that sound good? That sounds good. We don't know any of his questions. We didn't know of them ahead of time. Travion's going to hit us up right now. With some Ask Us Anything. Good timing. All right. Where is the weirdest place you've ever fallen
0: asleep The floor of a bus, basically wedged kind of underneath the seats, just so that I could lay down and not try to have to, like, it takes a little work, though.
1: Yeah, it's really painful, too.
0: (laughs) And if if your claustrophobia hits while you're down there, forget about it.
1: So, oh my god. I had not thought about this for years. What a question, Travion, because it's going to make me sound so bad. I was probably 12 or 13 and I used to be in this group called Leo's club. It's like lion's club, but for those under 18 and our club helped. um, Basically we sponsored this event where those that are in wheelchairs were given their dogs. And I dozed off during the ceremony and I had to be, elbowed like really hard to wake up that's not a good place to doze off what in the world yeah i mean it, <laughs> it what, for a 12 13 year old i mean that kind of thing was yeah. you don't appreciate what's going on True. I mean, and some guy like popped the question at that thing too i was like oh that's why i remember it it's because right at the end the guy popped the question and the dog that he was given during that ceremony, had the ring on its collar. Nice. Like, man, what a night. I almost slept through it. Oh, boy. Travion? I can't really think of much. The one thing I can think of that pops in my head is just, like, the bus station, like, lobby or whatever, just sleeping on the floor. I have never been to, like, a bus station, like a Greyhound bus station or just one in general. Like, I've been to a bus stop. I've never been. Have you been? Has anybody here been on a Greyhound? No. Monica
0: has, though, uh, and her nephew. They did Greyhound from Denver to Topeka once. Once. Travion? Never again.
1: Yeah, I did in Topeka. I can't remember where it was, too, though. I was younger. Can I ask a question before you move on? Okay. It just popped in my head. So I've been watching the show Oz. Okay. Have you ever heard of that show? It was on HBO, like. I know Peter Chris is in an episode randomly. Yeah, like, 98 to. 2003 something like that even i've been watching it have either have any of you ever visited somebody in prison no i have not i mean my uncle was in prison for a little while and like we've went there but like i didn't go with my family to go in there troy never no no okay all right we can move on
0: i have an aunt and uncle that do uh visit actually the one where uh the federal prison there in the Denver area where Blagojevich was sentenced to back in the latter part of the, the last decade.
1: I remember as a kid, like, driving by uh, Leavenworth State. Yes. And I was like, know, screw this. I'm going to be a good kid. I, I don't want to be there. That way, It I'll, was a little intimidating.
0: And, and have been golfing uh, on Fort Leavenworth. Yeah. Which you have to watch yourself on a couple of holes. Oh, yeah. Or, or your golf ball winds up inside the fence
1: i On what's your next question? My next question is which TV family is the most like your own family? Oh, that's a good question, man. That is tough.
0: Yeah that that one's good. That's
1: a great question because the okay so the first air er, the first family I thought of was the Taylors at Home Improvement because my dad is a, very handy but he doesn't like mess up. And Jill um, seems to be the voice of reason. My mom can definitely be the voice of reason, but she can like also have a short temper. I've seen Jill on Home Improvement really get after some people. Um, and also Tim Allen's goofy. My dad's a little goofy. I think I'm going to go with the Home Improvement family. I don't have any brothers, but uh, my dad's also close with the neighbors. So there you have it. I just talked my way into it. I don't
0: have a good one in mind. Honestly, as I think of the representation of families on TV,
1: I almost said cheers because every time I go to my parents' house now, we're always going to my dad's bar that he built. There you go. And the neighbors are coming over. We know everybody. Hey, what's going on? There's no Norm. No Cliff.
0: Mitch! Oh, I wish. Hello, everybody. Travion? Dog eat dog world.
1: I wouldn't say family, but my dad reminds me a lot of Hank Hill, and like I've brought that up before, huh. and he's like, "Come on, <laughs> interesting." <laughs> Come, Do- you, you act just like him. Does he man. take pride in his lawn? Oh yeah. Okay, my dad. My dad reminds me of Ron Swanson from Parks and Rec. Nice. Not so much like uh, like totally anti-government, but like another thing like Ron Swanson, character and real person. Uh, the actor Eric Offerman. That's right. Eric, am I saying that? Or uh, Nick Offerman? Sorry, no, yes, Eric Offerman. Nick, Nick Offerman. Offerman. Um, very good in woodworking. My dad is a master craftsman, but so is Nick Offerman and Ron Swanson. Mr. Megan Mullally. My mom's not like Megan Mullally. Besides <laughs> doing puzzles, they love doing puzzles. All right. Hey, let's bounce. Thank you, Travion, some for some dynamite questions today. Way to go for Travion. Troy, I'm Mitch. Go Cats.